Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Inside the Mirror Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle David. If you didn't know, now you know. Welcome back. Thanks for being with me. I'm excited today. I have an exciting guest. And as we get into it, those of you that know me will kind of know uh, and see the connection of why uh, this person and I are talking. Um, But anyways, I'm just going to go right into it. This is Becca. She's with me today. And I'm not going to go into, you guys know I'm long-winded and I can talk and talk and talk and talk. (laughs) So I'm going to pass it over to Becca and just uh, let her kind of give us an intro and origin story on who she is and what she's all about. And then we'll get into it. So first of all, Becca, thanks for being on. Thank you, Kyle. I'm so excited to be here with you today. I'm pumped. Well, yeah, let's get into it. Like I said, give us kind of the five, seven, 10 minute, whatever you want to go with kind of origin story of who you are and and what you're all about. Yeah. So I think it's probably important to start way back. Um, And I, so I grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky and I was homeschooled and I, you know, like many people's parents make them feel like the the smartest, most brilliant, interesting person in the world. I certainly felt that way until I went to high school when it was really the first time I was around my peers. Um, And, you know, that was when I think my experience of really feeling like an outsider started. Um, And I think I was kind of that traditional, slightly sheltered, uh, you know, kid that went to college and really felt like they um, needed some sort of crutch um, or a way to feel that they weren't as weird or awkward in social situations. And, you know, that was when I I found alcohol and um, it did alleviate that outsider kind of feeling for me. And, you know, it was something that I just kind of continued, I think, to subconsciously use for most of my adult life. Um, And, you know, I was always a high achiever, kind of, you know, top performer professionally, but um, I think I always drank for the wrong reasons. And I honestly did not really realize that until about five years ago, I had some pretty tough things happen. and I, I always say that it seems like hard things happen in threes, but on the personal front, I, you know, I kind of felt honestly, like my, my life fell apart. And I realized during that time that I was drinking to not feel those feelings. And when I saw it, it terrified me, you know, it wasn't the social drinking. It was the drinking alone. And I always say that it's grace that got me sober because I did meet someone who, you know, kind of made me see that I had other options than to just continue going on as I was. And so I decided to remove alcohol from my shelf of coping mechanisms. And um, I should say at that point, I was uh, living in New York City. I'd been there about 10 years. So I was like homeschooled on a farm and then I was like living in New York City. So kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. And I'd been working in one job for about 10 years in strategy consulting. And, you know, when I stopped drinking, my world started to open up. Um, I think I started to feel connection in ways I'd never felt before. I started to feel community in ways I had never felt before. And I started to imagine that there might actually be things that I could do that would bring me joy, um, both personally and professionally. But, you know, at the same time, I felt quite alienated from so many experiences that, had really been things I'd spent a lot of my time doing and enjoying, whether it was going to concerts or, you know, going out with friends. And I was like, this kind of sucks. It's like, 
I just made one of the best decisions I've made in my entire life to, you know, remove alcohol from my tool set. And at the same time, it's like, I, I still felt othered, you know, which was, um, that experience that really kind of haunted me most of my adult life. And I, I knew I wanted to do something different professionally. And I guess it was three summers ago. Now I was in London interviewing for this new job opportunity. And it was like my dream job. It was, um, in the hospitality industry and it was focused on social impact, but, when I was in London, I actually went to a couple different bars and restaurants. And I say I had the strongest cocktails of my entire life because I discovered that mocktails were a thing there. And so, mm. you know, there were these beautiful cocktails, non-alcoholic. And it was the first time that I did not feel alienated mm. for making such a strong decision. And I was just so taken by that experience that I decided to turn down my dream job uh, move back, uh, to central Kentucky and live in my parents' basement and figure out how to make a non-alcoholic spirits company. And, you know, it was so interesting because at that point, like as a non-drinker, my life was just so great in New York. I, you know, had recently met an incredible guy that I'm now engaged to, but I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm really going to do this. And I love the saying it's, um, how does it go? It's, uh, uncertainty craves authenticity. Hmm. And I think that I realized that it wasn't just about making great products that, um, you know, folks could enjoy when they didn't want to drink for whatever reason, but it was also making them authentic. And I think that non-alcoholic spirits in itself is a bit of a contradiction. And so I really realized that to build an authentic company, it needed to have an authentic origin in terms of location, in terms of the ingredients, because I wanted to not only make it, you know, tasty, I guess, to have these types of products, but to make it really emotionally rewarding and exciting. And so that was about two and a half years ago. And just a few weeks ago, we actually did our first bottling run of Naked Lady. Um, and we created a non-alcoholic gin, tequila and whiskey that are actually made from the real spirits themselves. Uh, we developed a process to actually remove the ethanol. And the idea being that you can order your favorite cocktail, but just, you know, have it naked. So it's easy. And now, now that's where I am today. You know, <laughs> we have product. I I'm working with some great people and I'm just so excited to now be able to bring this to folks um, and give them better options as they, you know, think of kind of new possibilities for themselves in social settings. I love it. I love it. I, uh, <laughs> it's, it's so interesting because I have a, a similar story as far as I grew up the son of a pastor. I was homeschooled. Okay. Didn't enter the public schools till middle school, felt very alienated. High school, ended up drinking, <laughs> yeah. developed a drinking problem. I knew I was just numbing all these things and escaping. Yeah. But it's so interesting to hear that. I, it encourages me, though, because we're not the only ones, right? There's so many people out oh there my God. with similar stories, right? It's it's so true. And I think um, it was so interesting because when I stopped drinking, that was when I actually started to realize how not alone I was because, you know, I had so many of my friends that were like, how do you do it? And, you know, these stories came out about, I think, kind of their own dissatisfaction or, you know, feeling like they were drinking because of the social expectations. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like all these years, I kind of thought I was the only one. And, 
you know, honestly, one of the reasons for wanting to build this company was to open up those conversations. I, you know, kind of thought if I decided that I could really, you know, own this decision um, and kind of push aside my own shame that a lot of healthy conversations could hopefully happen in that opening. So I love it. It's it's very obvious to me right away that you're not you're not out here trying to build a company because you just want to make money. Like you, we even said right before this, it's a it's impact driven, and I can hear it in the way you speak. You haven't said anything that that is self focused at all. It's I want to have these conversations. I want to bring something to other people, um, and I just love that. I love anybody yeah. that has a cause that's going to help other people um, because we you. just live in a world that we we have so many things where people are building things for themselves, which I don't fault. But we need people like you that are entrepreneurs that have hearts that want to build things that help people that impact people. Thank you. and yeah, and you know it's it's interesting because I think um, I I'm always having to kind of reconcile those two kind of parts of it, right? Like you know I've had to raise capital. I've raised about a million dollars so far to do this, and I'm moving back into raising more money now and you know, the financials and, you know, whatever kind of, you know, key metrics we set for ourselves to hit, like those are all very important. And our investors have a lot of trust in me and I, you know, feel very responsible to them. But I've also realized that anytime I lose sight of actually why I'm doing this, um, I'm not as effective because I think that, um, you know, we are wanting to do something different and it, you know, needs to show up kind of that motivation and intention in every decision we make. Um, you know, there's always a way to do things cheaper. There's always a way to do things faster. There's always a way to sell something, you know, more easily. And I think that, you know, when I do things for that reason, I always realize I'm losing sight of my actual customers um, and I'm losing sight of myself. And I I think it's hard to build something that's good. I, I'm realizing that now. It's really hard to build something good, but um, there's a lot of other things I could be doing to make money. Um, sure. And you know, if I'm going to do this, I, I kind of want to do it in alignment with my values. So I love it. It's uh, it's interesting. So I was. This is a people that know me know I tangents, but I was watching Shark Tank last night, and there was a guy on there who had created these edible. Uh, utensils, forks and knives and chopsticks, but they were edible. And the sharks were pushing back on him and saying kind of what you're saying is, well, why would people get these? They can buy spoons for two cents or yours for 20 cents. Why would they choose yours and all this? But it's so interesting. He ended up getting a deal because he was so mission driven. Mm. He was so passionate about why he did it that I think they invested in his why more than even his what. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's, um, you know, and I, I honestly think that again, like I'm not unique in that when you are able to tap into, you know, your, your power, like your source, like the things that really drive you, I think that is when for everyone, you know, that kind of, you know, maximum potential is unleashed. Like I am so much more creative when I'm thinking about how, you know, to make a positive impact in someone's life who might not normally understand a product like this, then I am kind of chasing a number. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's always that balance I have to go, you know, back and forth between. And I think, um, 
but yeah, and and it also helps. Um, you know, I love the example of you know the Shark Tank guy because I think sometimes building a business can be a little bit of an isolating experience because you know it's just it's a grind and. I think to see those different examples of people who are doing something similar, it's like you aren't alone. You know, there's really an army of people out there that are trying to do disruptive things because of the things they care about. So totally. Now, I want you to unpack a little bit about like even just the name, like Naked Lady. Like yeah. it, now you have you have is Alt Distilling is is the uh, company that you're building with the brands of Naked Lady and such yeah. and such underneath, it, correct? Yeah, it, exactly. So um, I think we we were pretty ambitious and we we decided that we wanted to start a portfolio company. And I should say that I, I started this journey on my own. Um, and then I ended up meeting um, an incredible food and beverage innovator who um, kind of in a pseudo retirement phase of his life, but he had led the team that developed like the McGriddle and, um, the innovation group at Starbucks that created kind of the Frappuccino and pumpkin slice lattes. Wow. And like, he is a truly a mad scientist and, huge. you know, yeah. And this was about nine, 10 months ago, our paths crossed and we decided to work together. And at that point we were like, you know, why don't we dream big? And so we renamed ourselves as Alt Distilling with Naked Lady being the first brand that we wanted to launch. And Naked Lady was really, you know, my heart child. And the idea for Naked Lady um, was that, first of all, I knew that I wanted to name the company after a woman. I think that the spirits industry is traditionally pretty masculine industry, especially when you get into yeah. the bourbons and whiskeys. Oh, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I, I spent a month just kind of thinking about who that woman might be. And when I actually couldn't think of someone and realized I didn't want to be so prescriptive and specific, um, you know, lady being kind of the Southern ubiquitous term for a woman really stuck with me. But I also then was thinking about how my own experience of sobriety had left me feeling so naked and how that shifted from being something that was terrifying initially to one of, I think, the most beautiful parts about this commitment for me. And that is really kind of that, you know, allegiance to living a life that's undisguised. And, you know, being undisguised through both the good and the bad. And so I think the name Naked Lady um, really is kind of my personal commitment um, to this brand, but also, you know, having that application where we can make it easy, you know, to order these types of beverages. I've always had issues with the words mocktail and virgin and non-alcoholic, they're all kind of inherently dissuasive. Mm -hmm. And so this idea that maybe we could update the bar call to mm -hmm. be more exciting and radically inclusive so that instead of being sent to the mocktail menu, kind of feeling like you're at the children's table at Thanksgiving, you could just, you know, so, order so your favorite drink naked. So, yeah, I love it. I love it. And even the it's spelling. a very me name to like completely overthink, overanalyze, do like an ethnographic study on kind of how I feel like it needs to be positioned. But, you know, mm -hmm. I, I feel pretty good about it. So. Oh, it's great. It's solid. Yeah. It, it's it's very solid. <laughs> even the way you branded it, even with the spelling, I was like, this is so cool. Like there's this a I don't know, there's something about it that gets me excited and hearing all this behind it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like there's. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I think we wanted it to be edgy because it's like, mm. 
it's mm-hmm. so easy, I think, for a decision to drink non-alcoholic be thought of as like ordering the Shirley Temple or, yeah. you know, just a health and wellness decision. And I think that, you know, drinking culture is a kind of just this space that has an edge. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for me, it's like, just because I'm drinking non-alcoholic doesn't mean that I want to live some kind of subpar diluted life. Like I still want to be doing crazy things and, you know, be partying and all these things. I just, you know, don't want, you know, alcohol. Mm -hmm. I don't want, you know, just that one ingredient to have to be a requirement. So that's so good. I I relate to that so much because I'm (laughs) the same way. Like I am not a, 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 Real, frankly not a calm quiet guy like yeah. I'm, I'm an excited guy I, I enjoy life I enjoy being around people I oh. just don't I just don't drink that's right it. it's a it's right. a very small thing that I think we we uh put under this microscope and be like oh and then people act so weird sometimes and like oh my gosh oh, are you okay around all this I'm like I'm fine I'm just not <laughs> I just don't want to do it you know it, exactly and you know the reality is that <laughs> I you know less alcohol means that there's more room for you, you know, like, I think that, you know, and that is, you know, that is my, my firm belief. If anything, my friends think I've become crazier since I stopped drinking, you know, (laughs) and, you know, I don't need those shots of tequila to be doing things they find surprising. So uh, (laughs) yeah, that that's, that's naked lady. (laughs) So I love that. I love that you're 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 basically saying like we don't have to take the edge off of the the culture of being a, a free person that loves excitement and being around all the things. We can remove the one small ingredient if we, if we choose to. And still, yeah. I like that you said that there's there's more room for you. There's more room for you. We we joked around with this idea of uh, a slogan being like make better bad decisions. You know, like <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Cause it's like, I, I mean, I'm sure you had this experience. I, you know, when I first stopped drinking, I was like, oh my gosh, it's gonna, it's gonna feel like I'm going to Sunday school every day, you know? And, and I was like, I've met some of the most charismatic, you know, wild individuals that it just completely blew me away. Cause I realized how close-minded I was even Mm -hmm you know, as someone who struggled with the impact of alcohol and thinking, you know, the identity that it meant I had to assume. And I think it's, you know, I think it definitely impacts people who, you know, would benefit from not drinking at all, but it also impacts most people. Like, you know, so many folks, even who might not have, you know, a real kind of issue with alcohol, I've realized they just drink because it's expected of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's like, kind of crappy at the end of the day. So yeah, it's that social norm of, well, that's, if if that's what people are doing, then I probably should be doing it too, but there's no purpose or really reasoning behind it. And we only get one life. I feel like we need to be purposeful with the decisions we make in life, but we do live in a culture and a society that just pulls us along with the norms of things, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And and I think that, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Cause I don't know if you had this experience, but, um, you know, when I stopped drinking, it definitely became a topic of conversation. I was still taking, you know, a lot of clients out to dinners and stuff, and I would order a water or, you know, a diet Coke. And, 
you know, everyone would be like, oh my gosh, like the, the assumption is that, you know, something's wrong, like what is wrong? And, you know, that is why you're not drinking. And this idea that like, it's not something wrong, but something right, or maybe it's just not even a thing. Um, I think, mm. you know, this idea that, you know, the ingredient alcohol could be something that was inconsequential to the experience someone could have mm. um, is really what I I dream of, but, um, I think it'll take a little bit of time and we're just now starting to test the waters. So that excites me though, because I totally align with that of, yeah, it doesn't have to be a right or wrong or huge. It can just be an inconsequential thing that really has no bearing on anything that we're doing. And if anything, it just makes it so that you have kind of higher standards, you know, mm -hmm. for the people around you, yourself and the environment you're in. I, I realized when I stopped drinking, the people that I continue to spend time with were just kind of, you know, higher quality. It's like, I couldn't, um, you know, just do something and it be enjoyable because everyone was kind of drunk, you know, like, my standards really um, kind of improved around, you know, everything. And I think um, I, the world that I, I feel like I live in now is just radically different than the one I did five years ago and there's no booze and it's much better. So <laughs> come on. Yeah. I, I could say ditto to that. When I look back on my, from 2014, 2015, I got sober in 2015. Yeah. Um, and, and I look at my life now and I'm just like, my goodness, that is night and day. I, I'm not the same person. And yeah. again, it's not to say that there's anything wrong with anyone else, but because of my own struggles with it, when I put it down, I, like you kind of said, I felt like I started living my life. It was, it's so interesting. A hundred percent. And, you know, it's, and I think it's interesting because I've, I have realized I'll say that I don't think our main customer is, you know, just the non-drinker. Like, I mm -hmm. think it really is for, you know, non-drinkers, but also folks that just want more options because mm -hmm. I, I swear it's like, I don't talk to many people who are like, I wish I drank more, you know, like that's just not something, <laughs> even those who love cocktails and love, you know, going out, it's like nobody ever is like, I wish I drank more alcohol. That's really something I'd like to incorporate into my, <laughs> my days more often. And, Very you know, funny. it's, and I think that's pretty indicative of a huge opportunity area. You know, mm -hmm. I think so many folks are like, I wish I could drink a little less, or I don't feel good when I, you know, drink this many cocktails. I don't know why I did. I just got caught up in the night or everyone was doing it. And, it's just so fascinating to me because it's like, I, I think it's, it's an experience shared by so many people. I know even very strong people. I know people who are, you know, very successful in whatever they're doing, but it's really a social arena where I think that social pressure, um, mm -hmm. you know, is so pervasive. Um, and it's exciting because I think that's what makes it such a huge opportunity area that, you're definitely a visionary. I love it. Like I, I love it because I, I tend to consider myself the same, which sometimes makes me seem crazy to people, which is okay. Um, but you, it's, it's, I was talking to a guy yesterday. I had a call with a guy yesterday and I said, you're a visionary, man. He said, what do you mean? I said, you can see that three, four, five years down the road. You see it already in your mind. Everyone else can't see it, but you can see it. And I kind of get that feeling yeah. about you. Well, I not kind of, I do that. You can already see it where it's going to be. Right. 
Yeah, and I do, you know, it is, it is so, it is so clear to me. And I think um, I, you know, when I, when I have the opportunity to talk to people, I think, um, you know, spend an hour with somebody, it becomes crystal clear to them as well. I think what's going to be really interesting over the next couple of years is how to actually scale that message, you know, mm-hmm. how to reach folks when it's just going to be kind of a, a brief interaction. Um, because I think it is different than the norm, you know, and I think we have a lot to learn in terms of how to make this accessible, how to make it easy, because, you know, I won't have the opportunity to talk, talk to every potential customer um, like I am you right now. Mm-hmm. And I think because we are doing something different, we're working in a culture that isn't necessarily, you know, built for this. So we're having to, you know, think about new ways to reach folks, how we need to engage kind of the bartending community to understand the value in our product. Um, It's really building a whole kind of new ecosystem around what is actually kind of a disruptive way of socializing or a disruptive way of drinking. So totally. So as far as like on a, on a practical level, like what is the next play for you guys? I know you said you have product now. Yeah. Um, What, what is kind of the play? Like you're saying bartending, obviously you want to enter the bartending market and kind of get that going, but also as far as messaging on the other side to just the general public, like how are you guys kind of thinking about that? So, you know, the cool thing about our products, which is the, you know, the same case for just other non-out products as well, um, is that we can distribute, you know, pretty freely. Like we can ship our product anywhere in the U.S. We don't have to work with these big alcohol distributors. And so it makes it a lot easier to, you know, sell our product in different types of ways. And so for the first year, we'll definitely be selling primarily direct to consumer. But um, the way that we're really wanting to educate customers is through partnering with bartenders. So, you know, they really will be our greatest advocates and ambassadors because I think it's through them being able, you know, to make, um, you know, cocktails with their product to really highlight it, show it to consumers who might not have ever heard of this type of thing that will be what allows them to see how it might be something that could fit, you know, into their life. And so we're being really intentional, starting with Louisville and Nashville mm-hmm. of identifying kind of these groups of bartenders that we're providing kind of more educational resources and incentives to, to kind of be a part of our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, are trying to really, you know, this first year we are growing slow. So we are wanting to make sure that we're kind of incubating our narrative and, you know, partnering with bars, restaurants, independent retailers that are excited about this um, and that are pretty brand aligned. And so, yeah, so right now we're focusing on Louisville um, and then Nashville will start fulfilling orders in April from our direct to consumer site. Um, and, you know, simultaneously, we're already, you know, thinking of potential new products that we want to do. We have a couple ready to drink cocktails that we're working on right now, but, you know, one thing I'm learning is that each of these things is a lot of work to do. I think it's a lot easier to, you know, brainstorming something up on a PowerPoint slide than to execute Mm -hmm. it. So, you know, we're also trying to focus on one thing at a time, but, Mm um, and I think the other thing that you know, you'll start seeing more this summer is I've always said, if like 
you remove alcohol, which I think gives a spirit its inherent value in the eyes of most people, you need to put something kind of in that place to um, kind of validate the product and show why it's, you know, worth enjoying. And for us, that's creativity. Mm -hmm. So I think that we're really excited about, you know, doing more kind of experiential kind of marketing and guerrilla marketing at music festivals and art fairs. And I think, um, you know, partnering with different kind of emerging artists. And so, you know, once we get everything sorted out with like our operations and distribution right now, we're excited this summer, to st- excited this summer to start kind of participating in different festivals um, and, and fairs, et cetera. So awesome. I think that's a, that's yeah. a, yes, you're, it's disruptive. That word disruptive keeps coming to mind and you even mentioned it. It's, it's, and, and those are the things, right, that are the most difficult, but when uh, executed properly and obviously when scaled, you look back and you go, well, of course, of course that worked. It was disruptive. That's why it worked. Right. Because there's it's it's almost as if like it's a ble- it may seem like it's tougher, but it's almost a blessing to be disruptive because at some point you'll hit that tipping point. Yeah. And I think, you know, it also just requires you to kind of put your ego aside, which has been, you know, an experience you know, I've had through this entire journey because I think, you know, when you're doing something completely different, Mm -hmm. um, it is more difficult to make a case for it because you're saying based on your experience or your intuition and it doesn't always work, you know? So (laughs) I think, um, I, I've had to really kind of reconceptualize failure for Mm -hmm. myself. Um, because I think I've always been a very achievement oriented person and it's like, it's only a failure if we don't learn from it. So I think we've really been trying to figure out how with each new thing we test, how it can be a learning, you know, experience for us, as opposed to it just being, this didn't work. We'll never do that again. It's like, how can we build on that to maybe have, you know, a more effective interaction with our customer next time? Like, I mean, it's, it's just so funny. I'll give you an example. I, you know, this is the only thing I think about these days. And, uh, you know, my, my fiance has brought that to my attention and I'm working on that right now, but, you know, it's funny because I think over the last few months, I almost forgot that this is still kind of a new category of product and that it's not something that everybody already knows about. And last week I was giving a talk at a university at this conference and, Um, We were also doing a tasting for all the attendees and there were about 175 women there that were all professionals. And in my mind, it was, you know, everyone already knows about this category. And if anything, they're deciding between our product and one of the other, you know, products in the space. Mm -hmm. And I am not kidding you, like 95% of these, you know, successful professional women in their, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s had just never heard of Mm -hmm. non-alcoholic spirits. And I think um, it was so interesting because I kind of approached that tasting and those interactions as though I was trying to demonstrate why our product, you know, was the one to choose as opposed Mm -hmm. to like why this category was even something worth considering in the first place. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's only through those experiences that I'm learning, you know, where our customers are at and what they need to understand this. Like, I think I thought I was going to launch this brand and it'd be like super abstract and very vibey. And I'm like, we need to first explain to people what this is and how to use it and why it's important. And, Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's constant trial and error and learning and constantly adjusting, but mm-hmm. I think, I think we're getting there. So 
I love it. The learnings are the learnings are how you're going to succeed, anyways, right? The the uh, as we I was talking with someone the other day about running straight into a wall with our vision and our mission, and then as soon as we hit the wall, we pivot and we go to the next thing because that's where we learned. Okay, that didn't work. Next, yes. Right? But it's yes. interesting that you say that because I agree with you as somebody who doesn't as someone who doesn't drink. I've heard of of non-alcoholic things a few times. Like I heard of Texas Select, the beer. Um, and I really haven't heard of anything else. I think I've seen maybe something in passing, <laughs> right. but I really have. I really, honestly, I've really had no, it's, it's something that really int- intrigues me and interests me. Cause I want, I want that. Right. It's, 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 it's fulfilling the pain point for me of like, well, yeah, I'd love to have a non-alcoholic, like old fashioned, right? Yeah. Like I'd love to sip on a gin and tonic tonic and not be drunk, but I'd love to sip on one, but I didn't, I never thought there was something for me. So right. that gets me excited because, and you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, this, the sober community, there's, there's millions of people out there that would love to have a replacement, but yeah. they don't think there is one. Totally. And I think it's interesting because, um, my, you know, my chairman of my board, he's a non-drinker as well. And I, I think we have an interesting mix of like investors, advisors, um, uh, that are either, you know, moderate drinkers or don't drink at all. And one thing, you know, that we always are talking about is, is the sober community. And I think, you know, you probably, you know, know this better than anyone that like every non-drinker is different, you know, like I have found that I'm one of those individuals that still feels comfortable going to bars, being around people that are drinking, but then, you know, I, you know, know just as many people that for them, you know, being in a bar setting or even being around something that looks or seems like alcohol could be triggering. And so mm-hmm. I think um, I'm grateful to have that awareness because I think it is my responsibility to mm-hmm. make sure that folks know that, you know, they, you know, they need to make a person, you know, this is not an antidote. Like this is, this mm-hmm. is not a one size fits all solution. Um, and it's something that they, you know, We'll need to make a personal decision for themselves, but with the, you know, the awareness that if like, if being around alcohol is triggering for you or being in a bar setting is triggering for you, our product might also be triggering for you because mm-hmm. we have done so much work to make it taste so good that, you know, it does kind of replicate that experience. And mm-hmm. so, you know, what I don't want to do is, and it's so funny because I think initially, because I was someone who wasn't really so triggered by it. Um, I initially thought that my main customer was going to be, you know, people in the rooms and I had to really do some recalibration Mm -hmm. to appreciate that my experience is unique. There are risks associated and that the decision is everyone's kind of personal decision. So, man, I really respect that. I really do. Cause I, I also know people all across the spectrum. I'm on this side with you where I'm like, Hey, let's go out and have a good time. I'm not going to drink, but I want to be there. (laughs) Exactly. And I also know people that can't even, yeah, they, they're like, I drive by the liquor store and it reminds me of 12 years ago. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's real. It's real. It's real. And, you know, I think, um, and it's important to talk about just because I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, everyone is different, which is one of the things that is so awesome, but you know, it just is something we want to be sensitive to. And I think as a non-drinker founder, it's definitely something that's, you know, close to my heart. Uh, you know, it's not on our bottles, uh, but you know, it's in the fine print on our website and always something I'm excited to talk about in conversations like this. I love it. That just, that just, again, is a testament to like the, the fact that you do care about people. 
You're not yeah. just like, I'm going to build a business and exit and good luck. I hope it, I hope it works out well for everyone in the, on the way. Like, no, you care about the people along the way. I, I do. And it, you know, honestly, it's so funny because we, um, you know, I, I started working on this before the pandemic, mm-hmm. which, and it's a consumer products company and we're living in kind of a supply chain crisis. And now mm-hmm. with the, you know, impending world war three, that's like impacting inflation. It's a, it's a horrible time to start a consumer products company for a lot of reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Like there have been moments when I'm like, Oh my God, if I was doing this for the money, I it's just, <laughs> you know, I would cut my losses. Cause this is sure. crazy. Like the amount of creativity and pivoting um, and adjusting it's required to kind of sustain ourselves um, has been so much greater than what I expected when I first got started. Um, and I probably wouldn't have stuck with it if it wasn't this important to me, yeah. you know? So it's like, you know, I've had to live in my parents' basement for 10 months. I cashed out part of my 401k. I'm still driving my car from high school. So it's like, yeah. Of course, I'm not going to compromise on, you know, the values of the company because yeah. I've, I've, I've made too many big decisions that otherwise I couldn't have justified. So mm-hmm. that's huge. That's so real too. <laughs> I, uh, I work with some guys that started a software company in the middle of, in the middle of COVID yeah. and we're doing zoom calls and we had the power go out here in Texas. You may have remembered a year or so ago. And yeah, so, yeah. So many hurdles along the way, but everyone has just continue to stick to the mission and the vision of, I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how crazy it is. We believe in what we're doing and we're going to keep going until it crashes and burns or it goes to the moon. Like there's no, there's no in between it's there's, there's no other option, right? Like when you believe in something fully, there's no other option. Like you said, that's all I think about. I'm the same way. That's all I think about. Exactly. And it's like, I, and I think it's, it's so funny. I always, you know, on the days that I get really, you know, down and out on myself when I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to, you know, our glass, for example, like some of our glass comes from the Ukraine. We found this out last week. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's so sad. You know, it's so sad. It's such close kind of proximity to, you know, the horrible things that are happening. But um, mm-hmm. it also is a, you know, a big, a big challenge for us to navigate. And I, you know, realize that if, uh, you know, I was almost realizing like the privileged place I was in, that these were the types of things I was even navigating right now. Like a year ago, living with my parents, living off my credit cards, wanting to find like a single person to believe in this idea, you know, and now I'm, you know, thinking like, what is my runway? How do I make sure this is a good experience for my three employees? Like, you know, I think it's easy to take for granted the growth Mm -hmm. because we're sometimes just so focused on this moment and the problems and the things we wish that were easier about it. And I'm like, no, no, Becca, check yourself, check yourself, you know? And I just, I'm saying it out loud because I had one of those weeks where I was like, all I have is problems, you know? And I think I woke up today and I was like, those problems are the reflection of the growth and the commitment and the progress, you know, those problems are a privilege in a way. Um, and I'm saying it to you because I need an attitude check this week. So (laughs) that's a, that's a great perspective. I've heard some people say, I'm so bad at directly quoting people. But uh, I heard somebody say not that long ago that when you wake up with a ton of problems, you should be grateful. 
because that yeah. means your, your, your business hasn't bought, hasn't boomed yet. It hasn't crashed yet. You still have it a is. business to have problems with. You know? <laughs> exactly. Go on. Exactly. And <laughs> you know, a lot of these problems are of my own making. Cause I, there's certain ways I want to do something and there's certain things I won't compromise on. Like I, you know, I want to make sure that I can pay my employees like a real living wage. Like I want to make sure that I can, you know, make it an environment where, you know, there's all these things I care about and a lot of things I'm not going to compromise on. And that means that this is a little tricky because I think it is, it, it's disruptive in many ways beyond just the product. Um, but I don't think I'd feel good building something that was just kind of a copy paste of a lot of things I see. So, yeah. Yeah, because you're a true visionary and there's no way you could just fake it till you make it. That's not that's hey, not in you. Visionary or pain in the butt. Depends on who you ask, you know. <laughs> there's a little bit of both in the visionary. <laughs> a little bit of butt. I think you have to be a little bit of both, right? Oh yeah, you gotta be a pain in the butt to be a visionary. Mm. But I love that. Like I think as long as and and we talk about this a lot where I'm at is that as long as we keep the mission and the people front of mind, the people that we're bringing on to help build this with us. Those are the two things that matter the most. And we have to continue to cast vision for those people so that they they remember like, hey, we're not just up here. It's not just us. It's you. It's us. It's all of us. Right. Like we're oh on this gosh. together. And when you when you when you inspire people, they're not going anywhere. When people know they're part of something and you care about them, they're never leaving you. They're just, I, just not. No, you're I mean, it's so true. I think that's one of the transitions I'm going through. You know, I was pretty much working on this on my own until January. And, um, you know, I've hired two people. One is this, you know, incredible former kind of sales executive in the industry. And the other is my sister. And, you know, both of these are strong, fierce women. And I, I'm held so accountable by them. Um, because, you know, a, you know, my sister, she's my younger sister. If she sees me being meek or, you know, anything like that, she checks me. She's like, I know who you are and you're making excuses. Like, mm. and, and so I feel like, you know, I'm going through this process of, you know, now having this new accountability, but also, you know, having to really develop trust with people, because I think I've held this like so close to my heart for two years and it's gotten to the point where it is absolutely more than one person's job. It's probably like 12 people's job and we have three of us, but you know, I, it's, I, my grip is tight. And I, you know, I, over the past two months, I've had to like slowly kind of release my grip and, you know, allow myself to build trust um, with these people around me who are also invested. Um, and that is definitely a learning process, you know, um, where I don't just like swoop in when it isn't immediately, you know, what I think it should be, because I think the reality is like this company will be much better if it isn't only my vision, you know, mm -hmm. and I have to tell myself that every single day, because um, we're kind of in this place where, you know, I, you know, Naked Lady was very much inspired by me and my experience, but it isn't me. You know, mm -hmm. I am Becca and Naked Lady is a company and those two things are different and they should be different. And I think that now it's like, it's starting to take a bit of a life of its own. And that is a little bit scary when it's been your baby for a couple of years. Um, and I'm going through the discomfort of watching it grow. Um, and I think, 
you know, the idea is that someday I can set it free. Right. Mm -hmm. So I need to get very comfortable <laughs> with, with each little well, finger. Well. That's like pried off my vision, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> and it'll, it'll come. It's a process. Everything in life is a process. Yeah. I'll, uh, we'll wrap up here in a second, but I know uh, something that always has been encouraging to me is I'm, I'm a controller too. When I yeah. have anything, whether it's my health or what I'm drinking in my tea, like I'm very specific about this is how everything must be done. And, and I've heard this said many, many times is that when you hold something like this, you have full control over it, but you don't allow anything into it. Right. So it can mm -hmm. only go so far when you open up your hand, things can come and go. Right. I love You're able that. to receive and give when and you're, you're welcome to control everything if you want. Totally. You'll never be able to receive with your hand closed. You can only receive with your hand open. And I always remember that's that. I'm beautiful. like, man, that's so good. That's, that's not an original. Quote no, quote. but that's so great. That's so great. I will remember that. It is very much where I'm at right now. Um, you know, I'm like trying to hold my hand open as my palm is shaking, you know, yeah. so um, it's beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing everything. Thanks for being on here. Um, I'm very encouraged by you. I, uh, I don't know you other than this, this 45 minutes that we've had, but I can tell you, I fully believe in what you're doing because I see the vision and I believe in it. And uh, not just as a product, but I think when you believe, when you have a vision and you can see someone's vision, it doesn't matter. Like you'll, you'll figure out the X's and the O's and all those <laughs> things, but I see it in you. I, I have no doubt that you're going to be highly successful. And so I'm yeah. excited for what's coming for you. I really am. Yeah. That means so much. And this has been a great conversation. So yeah, I really appreciate you holding the space. Yeah, absolutely. My last question is just like you said, you're doing an April launch. Is that correct? So we've done our soft launch. Yeah. Oh, and okay. um, you can find us, you know, on Instagram, it is, you know, NKDLDY. And um, there you'll also find a link to our site, which is drinknakedlady.com. Um, okay. And we're doing pre-sales now. And yeah, apparently the product tastes great. Everyone's saying, and I, I agree. I've just had a lot of it, you know? So <laughs> yeah. well, if anyone needs to believe in it, it's you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I'm, I'm so excited for people to try this. I think it's going to rock a lot of people's world. So I'm super pumped. Well, anybody listening, watching naked lady, NKL, I'm sorry, NKDL. Spell it for me. Why? NKDLDY. Naked, naked lady, lady without the vowels. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes the brain has a little bit of a oof. Well, go go get some naked lady. Can we order it now? If I want to go get some, yeah, I can order you, it. You can. You can. Oh, come on. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get yeah. some. Okay. Will you see me? Will you see my order come through? I I will. I will. Okay, and I think that what I can do is even uh, send over a discount code for your listeners um, for their first purchase. So okay. great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for thanks for taking the time. I'm I'm pumped to watch you and, and see your journey. And it'll be interesting to look back on this and be like, I talked to that lady way back <laughs> in the day when it was not huge. So yeah, exactly. It's gonna be huge. Exactly. Awesome. But thanks again, Becca. I, I wish you all the best and the most success. If you ever need anything, reach out. Okay. I appreciate it. It's good to know you. So. Absolutely. All right. Have a good weekend. All right. You too. Bye. -bye.